Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Amen. Are you ready? Oh, righteous Father, thank you for separating me to receive great grace and great power. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. <laughs> My heart is good ground and cannot be infiltrated or penetrated with the devil's seeds. I am a contagious carrier of the power, the purpose, the passion, and the potential of God. I believe you will supply all of my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Therefore, I am not need-based. Say it one more time. I am not need-based. I am a supplier. I'm not man-centered. I'm God-centered. I'm not an orphan. I am a son. I'm redeemed. I'm the blood-washed. I am holy. I'm righteous. I'm an overcomer. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the name of the Lord, because we are overcomers, amen? Man, the devil took his best shot in 2019, but we're still standing. We made it anyway, amen, somebody. And not only that, we're not just going to have a survival mentality, we are going to thrive. Come on, we're not just going to start well, we're going to finish well. We're going to start something, and we're going to finish it. We're going to start books, and we're going to finish it. We're going to start writing, and we're going to finish it. We're going to start songs, and we're going to finish it. We're going to start everything that God has called us to start, we're going to be finishers. Amen. Glory, I might, I might have a little preach on me this morning. Glory to God. I, might, I, I ain't going to hoop, though, because last time I tried to do that, my transmission slipped. Praise the Lord. So we're going to read a passage here, John 4, 34, um, and, and then we'll do a little, I just want to do a brief recapitulation from last Sunday because I have so much that I need to cover with you. Um, I don't want to get bogged down in telling you stuff that I've already preached. Is that okay? All right. John 4, 34. Um, I, I just want to read one passage. If you would give me the liberty to do so, normally you know I don't uh, do this. Uh, however, there's just one word that we're particularly focused on at this particular time. Um, it's, it's the word finish. This is Jesus is read in my Bible. And Jesus said to them, and let me just set this up. This was uh, after Jesus had spoken to the Samaritan woman. I, I think I did a, uh, a teaching about the Samaritan woman uh, maybe a month ago. And we talked about how she was used as in an evangelistic way by going and, and sharing Jesus to people. Amen. But also, you got to understand that Jesus can use anybody because when Jesus confronted her, she was not in the right place. Amen. Because Jesus began to confront her about her lifestyle. It's nothing like Jesus to confront you. He will confront you, and, and, and he, he's asking you questions because he already knows the answer. So, so he talked about the woman and, and talked about her husband, and, and she said, you know, I don't have a husband. And Jesus told her, you have said well, because I already know you don't have a husband because you've had five already. And the man you're shacking with, I'm sorry, that's the ghetto Bible. And the man that you're living with, 
is not your husband. So, so Jesus confronted her about her lifestyle. Her lifestyle wasn't right, but when she confronted Christ and Christ began to reveal to her some of those inner issues, she gave them over to him. And then now this woman who had been used to do other things for the kingdom of darkness, now she's going back to the city to be used for the kingdom of light. Ain't nothing like Jesus that can set you free. Amen. And so that's when um, the disciples begin to come up on Jesus. And this is where uh, we get this story. Just want to give you a little backdrop there in, thir there in 34. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, because they, they said, Jesus, have you already eaten? You know, and he said, I have food to eat, which you do not know of over in 32. And so uh, the disciples were in the natural, but Jesus was talking about spiritually. Spiritually, I got food that you know not of. See, you sometimes people are all up in the natural when they got to get in the spiritual, because in the spirituals, when you get revelation in the naturals, when you get information. And sometimes you get the information, but you need to get in the spirit so you can get the revelation about the information. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So in 34, therefore, the disciples said, uh, verse 33, therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Thinking all up in the natural. And, and Jesus said that if my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to what? And to finish his work. Come on. He, Jesus didn't say I just came to start it. But he said, I came to be a finisher. Come on, somebody. That's why when we look in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the author and that's why on the cross, when he, when he gave up the ghost, he said, it is. So Jesus is trying to tell us, not only should we start well, we should finish well. Recapitulation. You would never focus on a thing that is not a priority. Therefore, you would never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. I think this is, this is um, <laughs> true. People are, want to pursue stuff, but they're not willing to do what they need to do uh, to get it, right? They, they, they want stuff, but they're not willing to do, to do what they need to do to get it. And so, in other words, uh, just understanding the knowledge of something does not mean that you got it. Just because you know a scripture or two don't mean that you understand the revelation of it, right? Just, uh, and the knowledge of a thing is not the possession of it because the children of Israel, they knew about the land filled with milk and honey, but they didn't get there, did they? It was the second generation that got there. They knew about the land, but they never possessed the land. And just knowing about it does not mean you're going to possess it. You're going to have to activate some things in your life. You're going to have to move out into some things. You're going to have to make some decisions so that you can get some things. Amen, somebody. Idleness is the enemy to your calling. The enemy's greatest nightmare is when you discover your calling and pursue it. But what the enemy wants you to do is become idle. David became idle, and that's when he saw that bathing beauty called Bathsheba sitting over there in that bathtub. Come on, somebody. See, David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the enemy will always have a recipe. He will always have some bait for you when you're in the wrong place. Always. And everybody in here got some, some bait that we like. And if you think you don't, you're lying to yourself because the book of James says every man and woman is drawn away and enticed by their own lust. It ain't the devil and it ain't God. Oh, boy, but this is that grown folk kind of stuff right here. Come on. Then John 17, 4 says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished 
the work which you have given me to do because he is a finisher. And then in Hebrews 12 and 2, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, it was joy that was set before him. I don't believe Jesus was actually happy about going to the cross, but he was joyous. Come on. There's a difference between being happy and having joy. Happiness is, is determined by outside stimuli and how things happen on the outside, then you become happy. Joy is from the inside because joy comes from Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. See, you can have joy on the inside even though everything all around you is torn apart. See, because that, that outside stimuli don't affect the joy because the joy comes from Jesus, and Jesus says, I change not. And so all hell can be breaking and loose all around you. They can just fire you from the job, but you got joy on the inside because if Jesus gave me this job, he'll find me another one. And see, and you can hold your head up high like you are a victor, not a victim, because you are overcomers. Come on, somebody. You can't just quote all of these confessions and not walk in it. So let's transition a bit here because I got something else that the Lord laid on my heart the other morning. Uh, let's go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. Matthew, chapter 21. I want to read something here because a lot of us uh, are praying at this season and at this, this juncture in your life uh, for there to be something different to happen. Uh, you're looking for another level. How many of you are saying that I'm ready to go to another level? I want to experience God on a different level. I want to understand the word a little bit more on a different level. Two or three people. So I got about five folks. Okay, so I'm talking to you five. The rest of you just listen. And so, so what, what, what we're saying here is you, you say it's time. You want to be a finisher. But before you can finish things, there are some other things that you might have to do because Jesus had to do it. So, so, so all I want to do is to equip you with what you need so you can be a finisher. Glory to God, somebody. And so let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 12. The Bible said, then Jesus went into the temple of God. Matthew 21, 12. Y'all need to be in the Holy Ghost. Stop. I told you 21, 12. You should have been there already. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know it. I'm sorry. Matthew 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Uh, come on, somebody. And then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Notice Jesus had to do something first before the will of God could be done. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And said to him, do you hear what they say? Yes. Have you never read, read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? I have perfected praise. So let's stop right there. It is a time for a new order of things in our lives. And when that happens, there's an overturning of that which is not of the will of God. Now, what we have seen in Matthew chapter 21, 
Jesus gives us a natural example of a spiritual reality when he went into the church and he saw how man had transformed the house of prayer into a den of thieves. He knew he could not finish strong until he cleaned out the house. The scripture says that he drove out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables. I am here to tell you that in 2020, you are going to have to embrace the things of God by driving out some things and turning over some tables. So you're going to have to drive out every weight and sin that has so easily beset so many people. You might have to drive out everything that hinders you and, and keeps you bound up in your spirit. You might have to drive out old relationships that are sucking the life out of you. You might have to drive out depression and fear and anxiety. You might have to drive out ungodliness and bad habits and ungodly behavior and practices. You might have to drive out unbelief and anger and unforgiveness and drive out everything that's keeping you broke, bound, and disgusted. Drive out everything that's keeping you from finishing strong. Jesus had to drive out those things to cleanse the temple so that the will of God could be done. And I know for a fact that Jesus is not going to drive out everything in your life. There are some things that you are going to have to do. Then he overturned everything that had been illegitimately set up by man. They were selling doves, which is a type and shadow of the Holy Ghost. We have too many institutions calling themselves the house of God. But when you go inside, they want to buy you into a man-made nurturing and anointing, a man-made spirit and a man-made calling. They, they spray smoke in the house and call that the anointing because they got to have something that's superficial because they don't, they're not willing to make a sacrificial call for the Lord. And to do a sacrificial call means you must be living in a way that is godly. You got to be living in a way that God can look down and see someone that is pure, someone that is holy, someone that is righteous. You can't have yourself as a sacrifice and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is looking for somebody who is operating in his will. And in his time, we might have to overturn everything that's unholy and, and self-righteous in our lives. We may have to overturn the tables of impurity and traditionalism and false doctrines. And one thing that I know we need to overturn is cotton candy, sugar-coated, lukewarm messages. We need to overturn these messages of champions and, and that you can do anything that you want to do. All you got to do is come to the house of God and pay your tithe check and God is going to be forgiving. Uh, I'm here to tell you right now, saints of God, that those days are over. Matter of fact, they never started. They never should have started. But we got backslidden preachers who won't tell you the truth because they are too busy trying to fill the seats and filling souls. Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. I'm not scared. I ain't scared because these are the messages that we need to hear today because without conviction, there can be no change, and we must be willing to say, for God I live, and for God I'll die. We need to have the tenacity of Job. Job said, naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I go. He said, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you be like that? Can you have that kind of tenacity that God gave it to me and he took it away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
I'm going to stay with him anyhow. Even though I don't hear anything, I'm going to stay with him anyhow. And even though, even though I don't feel anything, I'm going to stay with him anyhow. Even though I am not in a place that he told me that he was sending me to, I'm going to praise him anyhow. Even though my body is still hurting right now, I'm going to praise him. Come on and give him a praise in this house. God, help me have the grace to finish strong. I, I'm telling you right now, saints of God, I want to finish strong. But one of the things that's a big hindrance for us right now, that if you stay in darkness too long, your character will adjust. The problem is we got people who are too carnal as Christians and, and then they want to act holy in one setting, but then they act unholy in another setting. Uh, and you don't even know who you're talking to. Is this Steve or is this Ed? Because when you was in the church, you was acting one way, but when you're out here in the world, you act in another way. Uh, and somehow your character don't line up like the character of Christ because you should not be flipping and flopping back and forth. character 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 is who you are when people are not looking see we need to we need to vow to be secretly holy secretly holy i said secretly holy and and privately devout see what you do in your private time matters see and what you do in the dark it's gonna come into the light and see we are here read ephesians we are here to expose the unfruitful works of darkness we're not here to capitulate to the culture saints of god i'm not interested in pleasing culture at all i don't care who's mad about how i preach i don't care that they seem they seem that i'm intolerant i don't care about what they have to say because i'm standing on the solid rock of christ and if i'm standing on christ he's got my back so, again, I'm not here to please you. I don't need a pat on the back from the saints of God because God already patted me on my back. All I have to do is preach the truth, and the truth is the only thing that will set people free. You didn't come in here get dressed and come to a church that they're just going to pat you on the back so that you can go out there and keep sinning and die and go to hell. I am not that kind of preacher. No, no, some things in our lives has got to change. I, gotta, I had to get to the point to look at God and say, God, I know there's something better for my life than where I'm living right now. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. He's preaching with me. Come on, somebody. Come on, saints of God. I, I, I got to get more of God. I, got, I know there's something better for me. Come on, right, Samir? I, I'm in this place. I don't like this place. I know God has something for me, but I'm not sure where he wants me to go. So I'm just going to keep on walking until he showed me the place called there. God, well, where is there? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. But you'll never get there if you're unwilling to move. So how, how, how do we finish strong? So let's go to the practical side of this thing. How do we finish strong? I know you guys have been asking that since last Sunday. Well, Pastor, we talked about finish strong, but how do we do it? So now, are you ready to write? This is how we finish strong. First, you got to start a plan. This is going to be real practical. You got to start a plan. And here's how we start. Let me give you some word. Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I don't care how you say it. Chapter 2, verse 2. And, and, and we're going to talk about it in a second. Let me get out of this hot. Oh, you say, oh, yeah, you must be cold. The Bible says, write the vision. See, 
This is an action word. It didn't say think about it. It didn't say meditate on it. It said write it. That means you're going to have to do something. Write is an action word, saints. You need to be people of action. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables or tablets, some translations say, that he may run that reason. Now, listen, I always say it like this. If you're not running with your vision, why would anybody else run with you? Because both of you are standing still. Does that make sense at all? Now, I'm not spiritual. Now, I'm real practical. I'm going to get real pragmatic on y'all. Right? Because practically, if you're not, if you're writing it and you're not reading it and you're not running with it, how are you going to tell other people to run? Oh, I got something going on. What you doing? Well, I got, I got this thing. Well, what is that thing? Well, we're going to do some stuff. What you doing? What, 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 why did you do it? Where are you doing it? What do you plan to accomplish with it? How are you going to assess how well you did? What lessons did you learn from the last one? Did you do things right or did you do things wrong? What can you capitalize on from the last thing you did wrong so you can do it right the next time? You see what I'm saying, thanks to God? Oh, see, y'all want me to get spiritual again now. <laughs> Pastor, that's just too much. No, actually, it's not enough. Vision without action is a daydream, and action without vision is a nightmare. Vision without action, that, you ain't doing nothing but daydreaming. God, I wish that would happen. Ooh, boy, one day that's going to happen. You, you prophesied to me, Lord. <laughs> no, guys. Vision without action. You're going to have to do something. You got to write it. That's doing something. But you're going to have to go beyond that. Do your research. Why are you doing what you're doing? Amen? What's the, what's the demographics of the area that you're doing it in? Do you even know the economic level of the people in that area? You know how much money they make? You know, do you even know the average income of the household? How many people live in the area? What's the demographics of ethnicity in the area? Are you just doing something for black folks or are you doing something for all folks? Oh, see, that kind of stuff right there. Because, see, I've never done anything for black people. I do stuff for people. All people, because I'm telling you something, some black folks are going to be, be shocked when they get to heaven. And, and let, me, let me just go on out there and say this, because since I don't have a, a racial uh, bias in me anymore, because I used to be very, very uh, uh, racially motivated. Uh, I was all pro-black and because I was raised in the South. But since I got saved, the Lord delivered me from that, right? And let me tell you something, too. God does have a sense of humor. Uh, because uh, anybody in here, you should never have any type of racial bias in you as it relates to color. Let me tell you why. The only reason you're able to sit in this church is because of two white people. No black man ever helped me. And I reached out to many in this city. Not one black pastor helped me. Not one. Not one. Do I hold it against them? No, I don't. Now a lot of them now, they're contacting me. But now I decide if I want them in my life. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Because there's a part of this that's called separation. Everybody can't attach to me. I control who attaches themselves to me. 
You control who you want to be attached to your life. That's the part of the problem. Now, I ain't going to go there yet. I'm going to wait till I get to that, that area. Amen. So is that making sense? Okay. So Clark Stallings and Jeff O'Donnell. Jeff O'Donnell was a businessman, still a businessman in Charlotte. And he heard what we were doing. We had a relationship with him and his wife before um, I sent him my vision letter, just like I sent to everybody else. I had everything laid out. I had my plan together about the church, how I plan to accomplish everything. Jeff O'Donnell sent me a letter back, right, baby, in our P.O. box. And in that letter, he told me, he said, man, I believe in what you're trying to do. And just to get you started, he gave me a check for $8,000. And it didn't stop there. We would just go to the P.O. box, and there would be checks in there, 5000 The largest check, I think, was, uh, was $12,000 was the largest check, right? We would just go there. And, he, and we didn't know when they were coming, but they came right on time when we needed it. Now, folks, we, we, had, we had four families in the church, and we was paying uh, uh, a lease that was $2,200 a month. Because back then was when the market was, was, was big, right? It was pumping, right? That, that, was, that was before the market collapsed. So that was the normal that was going for that square footage. But you know what? God made a way. Clark Stylins called us. Clark is a multimillionaire. He's a friend of ours. And Clark called me, and he's, he's, he's real, real uh, country. He said, brother, <laughs> he said, I got something for you. Can you get a truck? I said, uh, yeah, Clark, I can get a truck. He said, listen, come here to Greenville. I got something for you. Get a big truck. Come on down here and get something. I got something. I said, okay. So me and Elaine, we went and we rented a truck, drove that big old thing all the way to Greenville, <laughs> to Greenville, North Carolina. We walked into this place, and he gave us all of the chairs we needed, that soundboard that we're still using, and that keyboard that we're still using today. He said, listen, brother, I didn't have a check to write you, but I got something else for you. And we didn't need the checks because Jeff was sitting. See, let me tell you something, saints of God. Don't ever think God can't use somebody that don't look like you to bless your life. So while we all up in the flesh and all up in our feelings and talking about black this and white that and Mexican this, you better get up out of your flesh because God can't bless you when you're in your flesh. And the one person God will use is the one person you're trying to pull away from. I'm trying to tell you what I know and what I've experienced because you're sitting in a church because of these two men. Amen, somebody. So I'm telling you right now, won't he do it? But listen, I had a plan. You can't, you can't go to rich folks with no plan. You better have a plan because they're going to want to know what they're doing with their money. Right? You, if you're going to go to investors, you better have a plan, saints. Don't just say I got a nonprofit. Why do you have a nonprofit? What are you planning to accomplish? What are you going to do with it? Right? You got a board set up? When did you have your first board meeting? Do you have meeting minutes? Do you have policies? Come on, somebody. No, no, let's, let's get back in the spirit, Pastor. <laughs> right? Some people can't attach themselves to me because they're not legally set up right as a church. I, ain't, I, I don't look good in orange. <laughs> I ain't going to jail for nobody. 
So before they say, well, pastor, I've had, I've had, I've had churches that say, pastor, we want you to provide apostolic oversight. Mm-mm, not yet. Mm-mm. I want to see your books. How are you set up? Do you have a 501c3? Let me look at your bylaws. Are they set up properly? Do you have a non-activities clause in your bylaws? Do people know what you won't do and what you will do? See, 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 see. All right, okay, all right. Is this making sense? Okay, I'm telling you, this is practical stuff. I ain't trying to be all spiritual with this one. I'm just saying there are some things that we have to put in place, and we got to start the plan. If you don't start the plan, there won't be one. Come on, somebody. A dream without a plan is nothing but a wish. Plans that aren't written are nothing more than opinions. Now, I know I'm going to see all this on Facebook. I don't care. Put it out there. Put it out there because people go, wow, that's right, right? Because this is right, right? It's nothing but opinions, man. You guys, you just got a thought. That's why I tell you all the time, don't come to me talking about something that you think should be done in this church if you, don't, if you haven't already written it out. Because because I have too many people have come to me over these 12 years talking about, Pastor, uh, I believe what you need to do, and I stop them right there. You don't tell me what I need to be doing. I'm grown. Who do you think? I'm not, your, I'm not your little boy. You can't just come in here and tell me what I should be doing. Like, I haven't prayed through this thing with my wife to get to where we are, and I haven't sweat blood and, and tears to get to where I am, interceding for where we are, and then you're going to come up here and tell me what you think I need to be doing? What have you been doing for the last 12 years? As a matter of fact, the thing that you want me to do, why haven't you done it? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I want to challenge you on that level because don't bring me anything unless you have it written down. Do your research first. Amen, somebody. Because I am in my lane. I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do. I just want to help you to do what God has called you to do. Is this making sense at all? See, this is why we got we to gotta overturn the tables and we got to drive out some of this traditional stuff where you think you run the pastor. Because I am not the one to be played with. And if you don't believe it, you try me. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to show you something because some churches, they rule. Because they got a deacon board that rule over the church, and that is not the way God said the church should be established according to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that it should be established on a plurality of eldership. Not just one lead pastor, and that's the only joker to get up there to preach. All right, okay. Y'all getting quiet on me, so I think I better move on. Caleb, they, 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 you got my back? Okay, all right. Long as long as Caleb got my back, I'm good. So Proverbs, write this down. Proverbs 16 and 9, it says that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let me, let me give it to you, the New Living Translation. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So in other words, if you don't have a plan, how can God order your steps? You, you, you just going in nowhere. You just, you toiling and you're rowing, which means you're going in circles. Right? Because you don't have a plan. Amen. Somebody say start it. Okay. Then revelation without, uh, without inspiration produces stagnation. Inspiration without information produces frustration. Revelation without inspiration. Because see, you can get a revelation 
But if you're not inspired by that word, come on, somebody. You, you ain't going to do nothing with it. And you, there are a lot of times, whoo, pastor, I hear you. That's a good word. But you don't do nothing with it. Right? Yeah, have you ever been in a service where, you know, um, uh, some, some of the words come, I know it happens in here a lot, and, and it's something that you've been praying about, something you've been studying on, and then the pastor hits something, and out of the, it, it, just, it hits you like a, like a rock. Bing! Amen! You just shout amen. Everybody else looking at you like, what's wrong, what's wrong with them? See, see, they don't understand you just got a piece of revelation that you had been looking for, right? Now, that revelation should inspire you to go deeper, open up the word of God, and say, God, open my eyes and let me see. Open my ears and let me hear. Touch my heart. Make it good ground, tender for the seed of your word, so that I can get the inspiration behind the revelation. Amen. See, that's, that's what I pray. It's all private. That's what I pray every time before I study. That's, that's my little prayer. It's all private. Why? Because I, I need a revelation. But I want to be inspired by the revelation. Otherwise, I come in here with some old boring message and none of y'all will stay up in here. Got Mr. Freeze in the pulpit and icicles hanging off the chandelier. You, don't, you know, ain't no, nobody ever got delivered a hill in a dead, dry, cold service. You, you want somebody got some fire in their belly, don't you? Amen. Amen. Put your hand on your belly and say, Lord, release the river of fire in me. Amen. Release the river of fire. Release the river of fire. See, we got to have a fire inside of us because uh, the, here, here, here's the next step in the plan. Steps to starting your plan. Determine what you want. That's pretty basic, isn't it? You got to determine what you want. What do you want from life? Where do you desire to be in three years, five years? How will you get there? What direction are you moving in right now? What are some of the things you need to put in place to get there? Oh, okay, I don't have enough money. What are you going to do to get the money? Are you going to take a class? Are you going to get a trade? Because God is not a counterfeiter. He's just not going to drop money out of the sky. In order to get money, you got to have a vehicle. you got to have something that God can funnel the money through. You need to have at least three or four income streams in your house anyway. Your job is just not enough. You need to do something else. Do something. Write a book. Do something. Get a class. Something that you could teach. Get another way to where God can funnel money to you. He's not a counterfeiter. He's just not going to drop money in your mailbox. He's going to do it through a vehicle. That's why he told the woman, go get every empty vessel that you can get. And every empty vessel, as long as you keep pouring, the oil will pour as long as there is an empty vessel. God is looking for empty vessels. And as long as you have something empty, as long as you come in the house of God empty, he said, I'll pour my anointing into you. See, we've got so many people that are so full of stuff when they come in the house of God. God can't pour anything into a full glass. And we're so full of <clears throat> that God can't get anything in because you're so full of the world. All right. I know y'all didn't like that one. Activity does not mean accomplishment. And busyness does not mean fruitfulness. Just because you busy doing stuff don't mean you doing nothing. Don't mean nothing. That's why people don't, I ain't getting busy for you. Just doing stuff. I have people all the time, Pastor, why don't you have a watch night service? Because I ain't never heard God to tell me to have one. Well, Pastor, I mean, you, are you doing a New Year's Eve? I, I mean, a, a Christmas Eve service? No, that's my birthday. I'm going home. It ain't Jesus' birthday. It's my birthday. 
going to be home with my family. Amen. I'm, I'm going to be served by them. Hallelujah. <laughs> On that one day. Amen. Bake me a cake. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's just stuff that traditionally people do. Why do you do it? But when you ask them, I don't know. We've always done it. So let me ask you, why do you go to watch nice services? What is that? What do you do? You, you go shout and all that. That's great. Uh, what they, Caitlin said, what they watching for? I, I, don't, I don't even know why they call it watch night, but I'm just, I, I did some history on that. And, um, and a lot of the history is fake. It's just tradition, right? So, so listen, I'm not going to operate in tradition just to look like we're busy. I don't care nothing about being busy. You know what I care about? I care about results. I care about results. Listen, if you don't have it by then, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> You're going to get it the last night of the year. Oh, I'm coming in. I'm going to get my blessing. Where you been all year? You ain't even been in the church all year. You're going to come on the last night. And then you show up like people, people don't even know you. Well, where you been, bruh? <laughs> And they get mad because people don't know you. They ain't seen you in 12 months. <laughs> All right, see, that's just too real. That's too real. I know it. I know it. It's too real. It, look, look, it's tight, but it's right. It's right. If you can't see it, guys, you can't change it. Your life will never change until you realize what's missing. That's why I tell men all the time, you need a, a male mentor, and I can't mentor everybody. Every man need another man. And every woman need another woman. It, we need mentors, guys. That's why in our leader's personal development plan, they had to tell me who's going to mentor them and who are they going to mentor. It's imperative that we pass on what we know and that other people pass on what they know. How will you grow? Who are you accountable to? Oh, it's just me and the Lord. That, that, you ain't accountable because you half show up. Because if you was really accountable to the Lord, you'd be here on time, and you'd be here every time. So you're not really even accountable to the Lord. But you want his blessings. See, you see, it just got really real up in here. You see that, Tim? I'm turning tables over, man. I'm driving out some stuff today. I, I, I gave you the scripture first. I, I tried to set you up first so you can just take a deep breath. But, man, some of this stuff, we got to turn the tables over, don't we? That's why I started with that, because I came in here to turn over some tables. Right? Because you won't finish well if you won't clean up your own house. Because it's not what you do in the church. It's what you do in this vessel. This vessel should compel you to be here. Why? Because this is where the Holy Ghost is. Hello! Okay. Good afternoon. Determine what you want. Find someone who has done it. Right? Why in the world would you do something and you know somebody else has done it and they've made mistakes and you had an opportunity to get to them and you refuse to go to them because of your pride? See, that, that, that sometimes the answer might be staring you right in the face. There was a story of Jesus, I think it's somewhere around John chapter 5, when Jesus came to the man that had been laid on a mat for 38 years. And, and Jesus looked at him. He, he, he said, 
do you want to be healed? That's a strange question because obviously you would think that he would want to be healed. But listen, some people have become comfortable with their dysfunctions. Right? And so he said, do you want to be healed? So, so when Jesus looked at the man, he said, "This, I'm your answer. But you know what he said? Instead of saying yes, he said, well, I have no man. My God, the answer right there in his face, and I have no man. Let me give you a natural example of a spiritual reality. Okay, Terrence and Dawn, let's just say I have a seminar that I want them to go to, and it's about children's church. It's just something critical about security. So I pay for it. They go to uh, this opportunity, uh, and then I know the person who's putting it on, and I've arranged for them to meet with him personally so that they can get information. So they go to the conference and everything, da-da-da-da, they come back. I say, hey, did you meet with so-and-so, so-and-so? I had everything set up. I said, no, we just went to the conference. Now, wh- how do you think I'm going to feel? Right? Because they had answers right there in their faces, but they refused to go get it. Saints, Christians have answers right in their faces, but they refuse to go get it. Or... They rely on somebody else. Let me put it this way. Or they blame somebody else. Uh, I better go to the next one. I better go to the next one because don't sound like that one is going to go over very well if I continue down that road. So let me just go to, the, to this next one here. Uh, uh, let, me, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead. I, I know. I know. I know. Y'all ain't ready for that. I, was, I ain't going. I'm not going to go. So, so find someone who's done it but establish proper protocols. You know what that means? It's a code of ethics. Set some boundaries. A protocol means this. A standard of behavior, a code of ethics or conduct, is the attitude taken when approaching a man or a woman. We must learn proper protocol. See, I learned this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Let me just read it to you. It says this, because I take my leadership cues from Jesus, because he's the best leader that's ever walked this earth. And, and it says this, and Jesus, seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Now, there's a lot in this. I just wanted, I want to extrapolate just a couple of things. Jesus saw the multitudes, but he went on a mountain. His disciples came to him, and he taught his disciples. Jesus saw, we're supposed to see the multitudes, but we can only pour our life into those who come after us. I hope that's making sense here. Are you seeing this? You cannot give your life to everybody. Jesus gave his life for everybody, but not to everybody. See, he had his core that he poured his life into. There was always the multitudes, but I can't pour my, the essence of my life in the multitude of people. But those who come after me, oh, yeah, I can pour all of me inside of them. So I can't teach people who don't come. So in other words, if you're not in the seats, I can't teach you. 
Is that making sense at all? In every church, there's the crowd, the congregation, and the core. The crowd, they're peeping. They looking. They might show up a couple of times. They might give a little bit. But then you got the congregation. They actually join. Some of them will come. Some won't. But the core are the people that I can count on. Everybody in the church should endeavor to be a part of the core. But everybody in the church is not. Amen, amen. Don't get quiet on a brother now. I'm just getting started. Amen. So that's how we start a plan. Let me get you the next one. Set your own stage. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about this one. I'm going to talk about the one Tim talked about. Can I take your message? Tim talked about over there in Abraham. He read, I think, from Exodus chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm sorry. So Genesis chapter 12, talked, God talked about Abram. I'm going to make your name great, and I'll bless you to be a blessing. Amen, somebody. But then when you go to Genesis chapter 22, you can see what Abram had to do to make his name great. He had to sacrifice his son Isaac. So Abraham, listen, Abraham had the wood, he had the knife, and he had the fire. Come on, somebody. So in other words, Abram had everything that he needed to make a sacrifice. He didn't wait for somebody to give him something. See, a lot of Christians are waiting. I'm waiting on somebody to give me something. I'm just waiting on somebody to do something for me. If I just had somebody to do something. If I, ooh, if I just had somebody, bless me. If I just had somebody, give me a little money. If I just had somebody. But you don't have a plan. And you still waiting on somebody to give you a handout. When you won't even do what you need to do in the planning process so that it will get you away from needing a handout. Oh, boy, oh, boy, this is just too rich. I'm going to be walking like the janitor at my middle school. <laughs> Saints, you got to have something in your hands. Amen, somebody. And so if you don't have the right tools in your hands, let me give you another, another uh, situation here with Moses. Y'all remember Moses? Y'all remember Moses, right? Y'all know Moses was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He did the wrong thing, and he had to wait 40 years for the right thing. Y'all know that, right? So he was 40 years in the desert, 40 years stagnant for one decision that he made, 40 years stagnant. So when God called him because he saw a bush that was burning, it kept burning, he, he thought that something was wrong because every day he saw the bush burning, and you can't see a bush burning every day, and the bush is not consumed unless something's up. Right. So one day, one day he saw the bush burning and he just stopped and he said, you know, that's an awful long time for that. You know what I mean? For that bush to be burning and it's not consumed. Maybe perhaps the, the Lord is trying to get my attention. <laughs> so so this is how God is with us. He's just burning stuff. And we smell like smoke and we just like, I don't know what that is burning. Maybe perhaps you need to turn <laughs> and look to see what the Lord is. <laughs> what the Lord is doing and so Moses had to turn and look to see what the Lord was doing and so when he walked up on God he didn't know proper protocol amen because you just can't walk up on God like you on the block you can't just walk God said Moses take off those shoes <laughs> like look here boy I'm about to burn you up you better be careful he said I'm a consuming fire you just can't walk up on me like like you you back on the block 
take those shoes off. In other words, Moses, the shoes were made by man. God says, if you're going to walk in my presence, you can't walk on something made by man. You can only walk in my presence. Come on, somebody. In other words, you got to walk up on God naked. He don't just see to you. He sees through you. He sees everything you've ever done or ever will do in your life. So you might as well just be open and not ashamed in front of him because everything is already exposed. So he told Moses what to do. Y'all remember this? And Moses started making excuses like we do. Moses said, I can't, can't, can't speak because Moses had a, a speaking impediment. Right? Moses just, he said, I can't, can't, can't talk. By the, by, the, by the time I get it out, the, the whole nation will be dead. So, so <laughs> he couldn't speak. So, yeah, come on now, come on back. So, Moses only wanted to talk about his deficiency, while God wanted to talk about his blessing. Isn't it interesting that saints of God, when God tell us to do something, the first thing we want to bring up is our deficiency? God, I can't do this because of that. I can't do this because I'm this. I can't do this because of that. And God is saying, I, I, I got it all ready for you. So he said, what is that in your hands? It's a stick. I've had this stick for 40 years. He said, throw it down. Boom. It turned into a snake. Whoa, that was in my hands? He said, pick it up. I don't know. <laughs> oh. I love you and all, but Lord, that's just, that, that ain't godly. <laughs> he picked it up, and what did it do? It turned back into a rod. You know what God was teaching Moses? What he wants to teach us? What God wants to use to bring great blessings and miracles is already in your hands. God wants you to take the raw resources that you already have and do something with it so that he can give you a press down, shaking together, running over miracle in your life. But we are too busy making excuses. Don't wait for somebody to set your stage. Set your own stage. Can I give you another example? That the Holy Ghost just downloading stuff, so I'm sorry. I, I just got to give you this. See, the prodigal son. You know there was two, the one who strayed and the one who stayed. There was two prodigals. I want to deal with the one that stayed because that's the, 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 my mama would say, the ignorant one. Because the one who stayed, everything was already his. And he said, oh, all these many, many years I've served you, Father. And yet you've never got the fatted calf to make merry with me and my friends. Oh, bless his little heart. And you know what his daddy said? He said, son, all that I have is yours. In other words, while you're waiting on me to throw you a party, he said, throw your own party. Set your own stage. Start your own business. Start your own ministry. You got your own anointing. You got your own yoke breaking, destroying, full, full, blown out, crazy experience with God and you don't have to apologize for it it's yours it's your testimony that's what God calls it amen somebody say I'm gonna set my own stage and I'm gonna throw my own party stop getting depressed and throw your own party stop stay in the word stay in the 
Stay in the word. The first scripture I'm going to give you is Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, and then we're going to read Joshua. Hosea verse four, chapter 4, verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You get knowledge in the word of God. We have become uh, uh, inefficient as Christians because we don't study enough. We don't read the word enough. Now, now, I wanted to say that before we go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Now, you know, Joshua was the one that took that second generation over into the promised land. Amen, somebody. Why? Because Joshua had been there. See, Moses couldn't take them there because Moses had never been there. See, saints of God, you can't take people where you've never been. See, if you, you've never dealt with crack or been on some type of addiction like that, you, you, you can't empathize with people like that. You can sympathize. You can say, listen, uh, I, 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 I can pray for you and all that, but I can't feel your pain. Amen. But if you've been in a situation and you, you've experienced it, like I, you can talk to me about alcohol. I can talk to you about that or porn. I can talk about that too. And so, so since that kind of stuff I've dealt with in my life, then I can talk about it. Now I can empathize with you because I know I've been there. I've been there. Amen. So, so, so Joshua had been in the promised land, and so he was also the one after Moses died that was the new leader. So this is what Joshua had to do. This is what God told Joshua and the children of Israel. He said, study this book of the law continually. So in other words, if you want to finish strong, you're going to have to start like this. Study the book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. God is showing us how to be successful. It starts with this book. Study it, meditate on it, and that word obey, that means live it. Study it, meditate it, live it. Study it, meditate, live it. I've read that before, read it again. Meditate on it, live it. Because I guarantee you, if you keep reading it, he'll show you something different. Is this making sense? So you gotta stay in the word, study the word, keep it always before you. All right, the, the, I, I feel like the word is the ultimate soul food. Then you got to step out in faith. Separate yourself. That's the one that I wanted to get to because let's get back to Abraham. So when Abraham, remember the Lord said, uh, I want you to go to a place and I'll tell you when you get there. Now, when you go to Genesis chapter 22, the, let me read it for you. Y'all want me to read it? Okay. So let, let me read it real, real quick here. 22, 4 and 5. Genesis. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkeys and the lad and I will go yonder. That sounds like you're from Alabama. And worship and we will come back to you. So in other words, when Abraham got close to his place called there, he had to separate from some people. He told the men that came with him, you stay here, but I'm going on further. So in other words, sometimes when you get close to your destiny, you got to separate yourself from some people. So Abraham said, you stay over here with the donkeys. And sometimes you got to tell people, you know what, I can't be going to the... <laughs> See. See, the kids have been here. I got to stay clean. Amen. Y'all know if the kids weren't in here, I'll tell you, you got to acting like one. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Acting like a Boaz. Come on. And so, so, so listen, at certain points in your life, when you get to certain levels in your life, there are some people that you can't take. 
you have to separate yourself if you're going to go to another level from some things that are like leeches on your life. And there are some things you, you can't go do any longer simply because now you got a mandate from God and you have a thus said God in your spirit. So there are certain things you can't do anymore. You can't go to the club anymore. You can't be partying anymore. I don't get drunk anymore. I don't get high anymore. I can't go to those places anymore because I got something in my shanana that prevents me from going and doing ungodly things and acting like ungodly behavior in my life. I can't do that any longer because God has separated me. Some of us need to get separated. I'm telling you, we've got too many Christians acting like broke, worldly folks. And those are the main ones that go to church every Sunday. Can't tell them nothing. All right, write that one down. Don't try to take people with you who are not destined to go. Sometimes, saints of God, I've seen this. I've seen where God is trying to pull somebody out of somebody's life, and they keep putting them back in. What does it say? See, y'all know I can get secular on you, too. Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> <laughs> I can get secular, and I'm going to come back and get spiritual. Teddy said, I think I better let it go. <laughs> you better let it go. Some stuff you don't need to be holding on to, saints. And sometimes people ask me in the lane as pastor, what do you think I ought to do? You really want to know? Yeah, you got to let that go. Amen? Because some things, guys, Jesus will tell you what to do if you listen. But a lot of times, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. A lot of times, <laughs> I don't even know if I ought to say this. Praise the Lord. A lot of times, people want to go to other people because if that person don't say what they like, they got an escape clause. See, with God, there's no escape clause. See, you got to do what he says. But if you go to a person, you go, well, I ain't, I ain't receiving that. That don't sound right. Well, you know he's beating you up, right? Yeah, but he loves me. See, why are you coming to me? Because if that's love, then I, I can't tell you anything. Amen. Right? So it's an escape clause. Well, well, Pastor, I just don't feel like that that's the loving thing to do. Well, why did you come to me? Because I don't feel like the loving thing to do is for him to be clocking you upside the head. I'm, is that real? I came to get really real with you today. I mean, ain't nothing godly about that. Well, he's broken you down so that you believe you can't do any better. You've been so traumatized that you'll stay in a situation when God is trying to pull you out of it. You can't even get your escape plan ready. Because that's the one thing I want to talk about. Let me get, let's, let's talk about an escape plan. Get your bag. In that closet, start packing some stuff up, all your important papers. See, 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 y'all, y'all ain't ready for that. Put that bag in that closet, you know, and put, put that important stuff. And that joker say, I'll be back in two days. Oh, baby, love you. Mwah. You grab that bag and you're cheering and you jet up out of there. All of your cheering. Take everything. Leave nothing but a glass of water on the counter. <laughs> I 
tell that brother, drink this. Because <laughs> I've been drinking your crap for too long. <laughs> I better stop. I better stop. See. <laughs> All right. Last one. Then we're done. Step out in faith. So you got to start a plan. You need to set your own stage. Stop waiting for folks to do something that you need to be doing. Even when Paul saw people gathering sticks for him, what did he do? He helped to gather sticks. So if you see people helping you, you need to help people help you. Don't just sit back and leech off of people who want to be a blessing to you. I, I think I'm talking to the right church about this kind of stuff, right? You know, you just look just sitting back. Yeah, you need to. And then, then, then you have, some people have the audacity, the mitigated goal to want to start to orchestrate how people should give. Well, I don't, I don't really want, I'm hungry, but I don't really want that. And see, y'all just got to know me because I'm around the homeless all the time because I work in Uptown. I get these brothers. Some of these brothers are, they can get, you know, they can, they, they can try, but I break them little rascals down because I, because I have on a suit, bro, don't, don't get it twisted. I'll jack you up. And anyway, well, well, but I can't believe you don't have any money. I can't believe you don't. You know what I'm saying? I, I got money. And then you get mad at me because I won't give you my money. Bruh. And then they come giving me this long story. When I know they're lying, they're going to give this long story. And I, and I go, bruh, stop. Stop. Get to the bottom line. What do you need? Because I got to go to a meeting. I don't have time to hear your long story. Do you need money or are you hungry? Well, I need some money. I can't help you. See, is that too real? I work hard for my money. No, I ain't giving you no money because I don't know what you're doing with it. You might go get drugs or more alcohol. I don't know what you're doing with this money. But if he says, I'm hungry, oh, come on, go with me. Yeah, I'm going to get you some food. I'm not giving you any money. We do it all the time. Elaine did it all the time when she was in Uptown. Right? And so that's what we do. Right, Richard? When we was up there, we would get people. We would grab them. Well, come on, go with us. We're going to lunch. We'll buy you some food. Right? If you're really hungry, you're going to go. But when you say, no, I, I, I don't want to eat there. Bro, you better get on away from me. Now you're going to be choosy where you want to eat before you just wanted something. Now, now you, 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 no, I don't, I don't really want that. That's not healthy. It ain't healthy to be hungry either, but. Now listen, I am in no way trying to say that you don't help people. But I'm just saying, saints, don't let people get over on you. I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't have it. All I know is I work extremely hard for my money. I'm the one in that place those hours doing what I have to do, making sure that that bank is making money. So, no, I'm just not going to just throw money at you. No, bro, you're going to have to work for this. I had to work for it. So, no, you're going to have to know. If you're hungry, I'll feed you, but I don't really need to know your sob story. Amen? Now, listen, any one of us can be homeless at any given time. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm hungry, I'm going to tell you, listen, I need some food. 
Amen? And listen, we got a food pantry here. Don't be all prideful and you don't have any food. Man, we got a pantry in there. Matter of fact, we was getting so much food, we had to stop because people weren't getting it. So obviously, things must be better. Right? So Caitlin says, set your own stage. Oh. <laughs> so Caitlin says, set your own stage. <laughs> well, I, that's what I heard earlier. Okay. All right, last thing, and we, we're getting ready to go. I'm going to pray. There are two enemies to your success, fear and discouragement. Fear keeps you from getting started, and the discouragement keeps you from finishing. See, I like that. See, when I hear some mm and ah, uh, then that, 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 that hit him in that sha-na-na. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead and write that down. Fear and discouragement. Those are the two greatest enemies, guys, to your success. Hey, baby. What's up, bro? Got a high five for me? Damn. Right? Is this making sense at all? Now, I told you this was practice. That's all I had. Is that all right? All right. So, so, so let me, let me, let's go through it again. I want to make sure you guys get it. Amen. So what I did, guys, I gave you the 60,000-foot level. So now you got to bring that down to the earth, which means you don't just take this statement. Now you got to put something behind the statement. What does that mean to me? How will I start my plan? How will I set my own stage? What things do I need to separate from? How often will I study the word of God? See, you see how this is working here, right? So you would never know if you can walk on water unless you step out of the boat. So that's my call to action right there, right? You would never know if you can be healthy unless you start eating right. Amen. Don't wait for there to be an issue that drives you to start doing what's right. In other words, after this fast, don't just start putting stuff back in that you know is wrong in the first place. If you can stop doing it for 21 days, amen, I'm, now, 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 okay, because I'm telling you, some of this stuff, if we can eat right, we can stay out of the healing line. Amen? So that was a practical message. Come on and give the Lord a praise. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805. West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com, forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.